Sometimes he gets us. We don't recognize it's him at first working behind the scenes. We think the reason we stop praying is because, oh, you know, we just don't feel like it anymore. And sure, maybe, maybe that's the way it really is. But possibly, possibly this lack of feeling is a clue that the enemy's strategy has begun to take effect. He's worked you down until you can't seem to muster up the will to fight back, to keep believing and praying about your marriage still hopelessly tense and broken, your child still rebelling against all sound logic, your money still not enough to feel like enough, your health still as chronic and scary as ever, your addictions still defeating you way too often, you just can't seem to bring these up to God anymore because there doesn't seem to be any spiritual fire burning inside. Maybe even right now, even while you're listening to a book that's inviting you back where you once walked, back to fervent believing prayer, you honestly just don't see the point in going there again. So here's what I'd say to you. Let's start here. Praying for this, to recover and maintain your passion, to regain and sustain your cutting edge. In order to do it, I want to take you back to a real life story that God placed in scripture in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, for just such a moment as this. And I want to use it and the principles it teaches to encourage your heart and then help you begin stirring up a strategy to get your passion back. Because if you're not at a low passion point right now, the time will likely come when you'll feel yourself being tugged there. And when that season comes, make a note to put this story on your must-read list. As it happened, the prophet Elisha was standing near one of his protégés who was chopping down a tree at the banks of the River Jordan, laboring to gather the raw materials needed for building a larger meeting place. But at one point in either an upswing or a downswing, the iron head of that man's axe wiggled loose from its wooden handle and sailed into the water, plopping to the bottom. Splash! gasp. Just like that, he'd lost his cutting edge. The young prophet was horrified. Not only had he lost the one tool on hand, the most important tool in the toolbox for moving him toward the outcome he desired, but the axe he'd been using had been borrowed from a friend. The kerplunk of that dead weight in the water was a double whammy of disappointment and disgust. He couldn't go forward with his building project. And now he'd need to go to the person who'd loaned him the axe and tell what happened to it. That he'd broken it, lost it, that there was no getting it back. Notice, though, these encouraging details from the story. Number one, despite the lost axe head, the presence of God was still near. Think about it. In ancient Israel, Yahweh's prophets were representations of his presence and power with his people. So when the man in the story lost the axe head, the fact that the prophet Elisha was right there alongside him in verse 3 wasn't just a simple comfort. It mattered that Elisha had seen how hard this man had worked, all the trees he'd chopped down, and how his cutting edge had been lost. It mattered that God's presence and the man's loss occurred within close proximity to each other. You see, Satan would like to convince you that your lack of passion is an indication that God was either never there at all or has gotten disgusted with you and he's left. He wants you to believe that God has not seen your struggle.
and is unaware or disinterested in the details of your life. But just because you're feeling at a loss for words and quote unquote want to, just because your cutting edge in prayer seems misplaced for now, does not mean that God isn't close by. Number two, the servant was doing something good when he lost his cutting edge. He was being productive, building a new dwelling for him and for those others involved in the school of the prophets. In fact, if he hadn't been working so hard, if he'd just been sitting around doing nothing, there's little chance the axe would have ever become gradually loosened and ultimately dislodged. This tells me that being engaged in good, even godly productive things is not an automatic guard against losing your cutting edge. In fact, one of Satan's dirtiest little tactics is to sneak in and steal it while you're square in the middle of investing yourself in worthwhile activities. That's why when you're sensing a drag in your faith, in your spiritual fire, it can sometimes simply mean you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing and doing it well at that. The third lesson we learned from this story is that the axe was borrowed, verse 5 tells Passion, faith, and belief in our hearts is a gift. It's on loan to our souls. Like the man's axe, our passion and spiritual fervor come from someone else as a gift to us. If you've ever cried out passionately to God in faith, fully believing that he is able to do more than you can ask or think or imagine, it's only because he first stirred up that passion within you. So instead of always feeling guilty and personally responsible whenever your passion in prayer is weak or even missing, realize instead that it is God's work both to give it and then to fan it into flame inside you, which means you can't manufacture it on your own. Your enemy, however, coy as he is, wants to burden you with blame for not having something that didn't originate with you in the first place. Don't fall for that. Lesson number four is this. Only a work of God could retrieve the axe head. Where did it fall? That's what the man of God asked. When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it into the water at that exact spot. Then the axe head floated to the surface, verse 6 says. Miraculously, by Elisha's hand, the slab of iron rustled free from the murky riverbed and bobbed up to the surface as if it were nothing but a floating chunk of driftwood. There it was. His cutting edge was back, divinely recovered. Elijah's servant had understandably been convinced there was no hope of ever seeing it again. And there wouldn't have been, except that he went to Elijah. God, through the prophet, stepped in and made it reappear. If the accent had just dropped onto the ground, anybody who saw where it went, including the man himself, could have picked it up and salvaged it. Instead, it was deep in the river. Only a miracle could get it back. Just like you might need a miracle to get yours back too. If it's sunk to the bottom, like everyone's passion for prayer has done at one time or another, listen to me, nothing, nothing is too far gone that your God cannot resurrect it. Even your cutting edge. So go to him to get it back. Don't try to regain it yourself. Don't set your hopes on other people or circumstances to fuse it back into the fiber of your being. Trust it into God's care. Only his miraculous work can make it bubble back up to the surface where it belongs. 
and he is more than willing to do it.